Welcome to the Media Cat Magazine podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Pigger, editor at the magazine. Uh, and for today's pod, I have uh, B. Parnkey, head of voice at Grey London, uh, and one of Adweek's uh, young influentials of 2022, and one of Creative Equals and Campaign Magazine's top 30 future leaders. Welcome, B. Hey, Mike. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I think I'm getting in the zone with all these intros now. I sort of tried to do it without <laughs> actually pausing for breath, but. Yeah, uh, it's it's good to chat to you. I haven't spoke to you for ages, but yeah, um, it's been a while. How uh, I did? I actually did a podcast with Joe Wallace yesterday, um, so I was, uh, I was sort of reeling out uh, her accolades as well. But um, how was it when you when you got uh, when you got your your sort of accolades? You know, named as things. You know, is it is it kind of nice? Is it unexpected? Yeah, hugely unexpected. Um, it's it always takes me by surprise a lot uh I just don't really I think I I always have so much to do my to-do list is always like as long as my arm always just focusing on getting a lot of things done that when things like this happen I'm always like what really why I don't understand how did that happen (laughs) and then um people I work with will be like well it happened because you've done all of this stuff but I'm so busy focusing on doing the things and getting the next thing done I've got I've got a lot of things that I want to change about the world. So I'm very busy focusing on all of that. That It takes me by surprise when someone goes, oh, well done, you've made this list. I'm like, mm. oh, I didn't expect that. Do you, do you feel like you, you're kind of getting more into that sort of wanting to change things in the world uh, sort of state, state of being? I mean, we'll get, we'll, we'll get into that later. But yeah, I just, I just figured like it feels like I'm sort of seeing, you know, more of your stuff out there in the last few years maybe. Yeah, and I feel like my... Um, my career has changed a little bit over the last few years and my, and my direction. I think um, I've always been really into language and definitely when you knew me before I, um, or when we last, last spoke, I should say uh, my role was kind of all encompassed with language and language is still, I'd say my first passion and, and um, a tool that I believe really does have the power to change the world and change cultures and, and really influence people for the better. But, as my career has gone on and as I've taken up this position at Grey, a lot of my um, time and headspace alongside thinking about language is thinking about diversity and the power that we have in our industry and how we can use that for the better and, and um, better reflect and better serve the society that we're in. So, um, so yeah, I'd say my sights are set a little bit more on, yeah, change, <laughs> trying to change the world for the better for everybody. Uh, then perhaps it once was. It used to be a little bit more focused on language specifically, and now it's it's kind of broadened. Well, actually, uh, I suppose that's a good segue, right? Because we can we can now um, should we talk about your role? So, um, obviously, you're 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 head of voice, um, and you were you were head of voice before at, uh, at Dragon Rouge, and and now at Grey. Um, can you explain what head of voice does? <laughs> Start yeah, there, maybe. It's, a, <laughs> it's um yeah, it's a it's a different job title for sure. I was just introduced to someone earlier today, and they went head of voice. Does that mean you sing all the time? And I was like, <laughs> mm, luckily for my colleagues, no. Um, so uh, my background, while I work in advertising now, I work for for Grey London, as you say. My background has always been in branding, and my specialism within branding has always been brand voice, tone of voice, and um, the ways that uh, the ways that brands speak can truly influence the way their people treat their customers and and the way that they connect with um, people and really put their kind of stake in the ground. I've always believed as a very from a very biased perspective as a writer that your visuals create a gut reaction. They kind of um, create an instinct, but it's the words that you use and the language you choose 
that builds a connection with people. Um, so, so my background has always been in branding and I'm focusing on brand voice and I'm now, um, part of Grey London. So I was a bit confused when I was first approached by the job and it was a pandemic times, peak pandemic times. So we were on a team school as you and I are now. And it was with um, Laura Jordan Bamback, who's now my boss. And when she approached me on the job, I said to her, you know, I don't have a case of like can lions just out of shot, right? Like I've never done advertising before. This isn't, this isn't what my specialism is. And she said, no, I know. And that's, why we want to have you as part of Grey because you have a different perspective and and a different thought process and a different way of approaching the craft and elevating the craft that um, they were really excited to to bring on board. So so now I'm here at Grey London and yeah I really am focusing more on um, elevating the craft of the copy that we put out and and making sure that um, the way that we represent our brands is is in the best way possible and and most true to who the brand truly are, rather than thinking about it in a kind of segmented way of we're the creative agency and we come up with the wildest and most exciting creative and the creative stands for itself, really making sure that everything comes back to the heart of who the brand are. So that's sort of the heart of my job as head of voice and and at Grey in terms of the difference of of that role to Dragon Rouge, Grey I think has a... um, while we have similar clients in some ways, we we there's more of um, I guess a slightly bigger platform at Grey, um, and my role has um, has morphed into one that also involves uh, doing a lot of work on diversity, inclusion, equity, and representation, and making sure that um, we're creating the best environment for the best creative to come, no matter who our team are, um, and that it's an environment that works for everybody and that the work that we create is truly reflective of the society that we're in and celebrates the different sides of our society so Mm. yeah there's a lot to do (laughs) yeah it's quite a quite a hard one to define perhaps like um you know as you're talking some people might be like you know it is kind of what you do is sort of almost like a I don't know like a PR reputation management thing or is it like a you know sort of um I'm trying to think you know like um like uh, Kevin Feige at Marvel, where it's kind of like, it's sort of sort of an overseer as well. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like an overseer role, is it kind of joining up the dots between departments? I don't know, is there yeah, much of that there's, what you do? There's there's a bit of that for sure. And and not just within departments, but I think from the client perspective as well, and, and really thinking kind of brand first and making sure that um, the work that we make truly speaks to who the brand are and who their audiences are. Um, but I think what, the agency has seen and what I've um I I as I say I was a bit confused when I was approached for the role but what I've seen as well is the value of a different way of working a different way of thinking because I, I approach the problems in a slightly different way and have been able to to do some really exciting things here in terms of um uh how we solve some of our client problems and some of our um uh yeah difficulties that come with any, with any project and um just thinking about things from a different angle i think brings a fresh perspective to it that that you know this agency hasn't hasn't necessarily had before just through having a different a different background are there many head of voices out there i mean are you are you like the sort of the lone <laughs> the lone sort of person holding the flag or i've i've heard <laughs> i've heard rumors of heads of voice in the new world um it's like, I, it's like an underworld or something maybe I don't yeah know, so. yeah i've heard i've heard that there are a few in america now so i hear so i hear um dragon rouge uh made up the job title for me to to better fit what i did i i thought i was 
coming at Dragon Rouge as, as a kind of creative director for language. But when I when I talked about my ethos to to language and how I see it working across um, uh, and, and, the, and the potential that it has for the brand and how it works across the different kind of facets of the brand. Um, they felt like head of voice was a better job title for that. So, so they they created that job title. And when I started speaking to Gray, I think originally they were thinking about head of copy. And when I talked about my my ethos and my mentality to language, um, they felt the head of voice was a was a a more appropriate title to to what exactly I'd bring to the agency. So I don't know of many yet, but you know, hopefully it will catch on. <laughs> I, li I like the diplomatic way of saying that. It's like when a company comes to you and says, oh, we're thinking about this. And you're like, no, I, I want to be this, actually. I'm going to be this. <laughs> and this is my role. I want to do this. Um, you just did sort of dictate it. Sort of like, I'm called this. Thank you very much. Um, it's, it's great. Well, maybe it's just, you know, like carving a path. And like, you know, in uh, in sort of five, ten years time, there'll be like lots of other heads of voice running mm -hmm. around. And you're like, hey, well, I, I was think, the first. I think it kind of speaks to... Um, something i i believe in and i try to practice as much as possible is is thinking about how things should be done now rather than how they have done have been done before um and you know we're used to a certain structure for uh, an agency and an advertising agency and we're used to a head of copy and a head of art and that being their defined roles and we're used to those people coming from a very particular type of background and having a particular set of experience and i don't and that doesn't, you know, make me any less suitable for the role, but it maybe makes me less suitable to what the role previously has been when we've had these very rigid structures of what things are meant to be. Um, and I really believe in in challenging those structures and challenging the way things have been done and and trying to find the best way to do things. So, so one of the things that I've done at um, uh, Gray as, as part of a team, um, we've created a uh diversity inclusion equity and representation charter which um forms a part of our contract with our clients and puts um diverse thinking and making at the heart of everything we do so we are used to seeing in the world our advertisements representing a really narrow section of society and and you know when i talk about diversity with anyone the first thing that they think of is skin tone and that is a big part of diversity but it's not the only part of diversity you know we're used to seeing on when when you and i were kids mike you know the the women that we saw in in advertisements fit a very niche body type skin tone look hair color, I, like, you know. I like that you've grouped me with you i swear i'm a bit older than you but, but it's I nice to be it's nice to be grouped in the same time yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, we're used to seeing such like a niche um, uh, portrayal of what is desirable, what is the status quo, what we should be aspiring to be. Um, and that representation excludes most of society. Right. Mm. Um, none of the houses I saw in adverts when I was growing up looked like my house. None of the women looked like me or my mum or my aunties. And, and it. Um, there's a lot of power in the work that we create and and part of the um diversity charter that we've created is around having positive conversations with clients about the opportunities that can come from creating more diverse work more diverse we, we, there are a million studies that will tell you from very reputable sources london um london business school um from uh harvard Bus harvard business review we have, there are many many studies that show how diverse work makes better creative gets better results you know we we use a lot of those stats in the conversations that we have with our clients, but it also makes your creative teams happier. 
it creates more creative work. We are used to seeing the way that it's been done. If you want to do something different, you need to be showing something different. Um, so uh, we have these conversations with our clients in a in a really positive space and um, talk about the excitement of it. Our clients always have their own diversity um, quotas and ambitions and targets to fulfill. Um, and our role as their partners is one that can give them the opportunity to do that. But But even creating this charter and having it form a part of our contracts with our clients for the way that we create their work, the way we make their work, the way we run our shoots, the way we do, the way we do everything is, is influenced by this belief. And this is a belief that goes to the heart of Grey, you know, hiring me as, uh, you know, a queer woman who comes from a background of branding rather than advertising into a role like head of voice at one of the oldest ad agencies in the world is, is very different. We have the belief in, um, we call it the collision of difference being what creates the best work. That's what we believe at Grey. Um, so so that that kind of concept of, of difference being where the potential is, is one that's really embedded within our DNA. And we now have that as part of our, our contract and our agreements with our clients um, that we will always champion that and we will always push for that in the many different ways that that can look. I think that is quite reflective of the way I see things that we Yes, we have ways that things have always been done and we have frustrations with, um, you know, any kind of situation from the way, but but a belief that, well, it'll never change. That's the way it's always been. I don't believe in that. I believe in looking at a situation that you're not happy with and going, well, what can we do about it? How mm. can we impact change? And I'm very lucky to be at a place like Grey that goes, yeah, great, do it. Let's make it happen. It's, it sounds like, do you, do you feel that your role sort of, um, has kind of like one one foot in kind of cultural insight in a way because it feels a little bit like it when you when you're talking like that that's kind of perhaps who the company turn Gray turns to to you for that would you say? Yeah, I would say um, you know language is a reflection of community and is a reflection of culture so much. So I have always had that connection to culture and community, and um, I've always said that the best writers are the best empaths. They're people who can just really think about a person and picture a person really clearly when they're writing um, and write to that person and think about what they need and, and how they'll receive that. And I think it's 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 kind of a similar thought process in many ways. Um, I would say that the, the team that we have at Grey really does live and breathe this um, difference of perspectives. We've got an incredible team here who come from many different um, career backgrounds, walks of life, many different perspectives. And so I'm very lucky that I work with an incredible team um, who helped bring the charter to life. And um, we have people in that team from all the different departments. And so when there are, um, there's a lot of kind of ideation that I do around uh, around telling those different stories. But when we we have conversations that we need to have with clients or, or any of the teams need support. I'm very lucky that I work in a in a incredible, um, forward-thinking, progressive, diverse team of people who can have those conversations with me and can kind of support in that. And that we all, I think it's really important to say in all of this that um, we're all learning all the time. I would never call myself an expert in pretty much anything. I think you can always learn more. Um, but an expert in 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 diversity and and there are things that we get wrong and we have to learn from. We have a we have an ethos that drives the charter um, and drives our team, which is progression over perfection. Mm. You know, we have to keep moving forward and to move forward, you have to learn all the time. And as part of learning, it means that sometimes you will get things wrong. But what's most important is what you do with what you get wrong. 
how you listen to the feedback and how you action it and how you progress it rather than holding on to um any kind of stubborn sense of pride or or you know digging your heels in that's not how we move forward it's all about moving moving the ship forward at all times i was actually going to try and try and say something about being humble and and not saying something not um you know not have a, that sense of pride and you said pride which was great because it's a perfect seg- segue to ask you about pride see perfect um it's almost like we planned it um mm-hmm. yeah because i wanted to basically ask this diversity uh, sort of you pushing more into this space etc and uh, you had a, a, a podcast for Pride, I think, uh, not mm-hmm. too too long ago. We'll, we'll put a, a link in the show notes to that. I just want to ask, like, so to what extent do you think the ad industry should get involved in issues around diversity? Because you know they they do for better or worse um, in in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a, a, a way that they should approach things other than you know mm-hmm. s- slapping a rainbow on it? Yeah, great question. Well, first of all, I would say that we as an ad industry absolutely need to be involved in issues of diversity. As I mentioned earlier, we, I, I think when you have an industry as old as ours and a certain group of people are used to being in positions of power within that industry. And, um, you know, we, uh, I, I believe our industry has changed, but certainly historically nepotism was a huge part of our industry and, and you know, kind of how people have excelled. Um, we're, we're used to seeing um, a certain kind of mindset. And I think that when you have the same people fulfilling the same types of roles, what comes with that is taking for granted the power that we have. Like I mentioned earlier, we we really do have the power to tell the world what is desirable, what is normal, what is to be aspired to, what is the status quo. And it has a real genuine impact. It has a real genuine impact on you know, you think about the, um, you know, skyrocketing numbers of teenage girls who have eating disorders. Am I saying that all of those eating disorders come from the ad industry? No, we are part of a wider um, fabric of society and the, the um, pressures that society puts on um, girls and boys and everyone in between. Um, but we have a part to play. And as people who have a part to play, we need to take our power and our responsibility seriously because it it's not just about um showing people who they are and you know me as for example a queer woman being able to see women in adverts that I go oh yeah that's 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 me I, I recognize that I recognize that person um but it's also about showing people who they're not and broadening their views you know I live in London I've, I've lived in London for a long time I'm always especially since the Brexit referendum, I'm hyper aware of the London bubble and how the perspectives and the world that I see in London is not the same as the rest of the country. Um, and it's really, for, for many people, seeing different types of, um, of, of ways of life comes through the media that they consume. And if we don't serve them differing perspectives, how are they going to um, know and be open-minded to the realities of those different perspectives and if you are not open-minded and you don't see and you don't experience and, and you don't have any kind of contact with these different realities that's how you breed ignorance and how you breed a, a petri dish for hatred and and all kinds of um issues that have real world consequences so i believe that our industry should be doing more that our industry absolutely does have a right to be involved in terms of how to do it best something i talk about um with pride in particular, because June is always a month where you're right. People just slap a rainbow on it. Just, you know, turn your, turn your logo rainbow colored and then job done. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I I saw a, um, what's it? A, uh, there was one after pride that was a, it was a gif of like, 
I don't know, a rainbow logo. And it was yeah. somebody walking out with a vacuum cleaner and they sucked the rainbow yeah. out and it was exactly. end of pride. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're only gay for June, right? The rest yeah. of the, the rest of the year, we're, we're straight. Um, so something that I talk about in relation to pride, but I think it, I think it relates to all um, aspects of diversity because, as I say, diversity is not just one, one tick box. Um, I talk about the concept of if you're going to profit off of us, you need to make sure that you serve us. If you're going to profit off of a community, you need to serve a community. So uh, if you're going to slap a rainbow on your logo and benefit from the halo effect of supporting the LGBTQIA plus community, what are you doing to serve the LGBTQIA plus community? How are you supporting your staff who are members of that community? You know, there was um, the uh, the Ford um, uh, Very Gay Raptor work, which was incredible. If you don't know, I really recommend looking it up. But they um, used that uh, that work to have conversations in communities that are very macho, are very masculine, have a lot of toxic masculinity in them. They used that, um, uh, their truck that they created that was gold and glittery with a giant rainbow on it, um, to have conversations in those communities about different perspectives. We did a piece of work for Pantene um, using a, an influencer named Lucy Edwards. She's a beauty um, a beauty influencer and she's, she's blind. Um, the story was linked perfectly to the product benefit. We came up with that idea because the product benefit was a sensory one. It was about touch and the way that your hair felt. And so the best person to tell that story for us was someone who touch is incredibly important to her. She she talked before about um, the impact of how she knows she looks good if her hair feels a certain way and the noise that it makes when she runs her fingers through it. So we used her to tell that story and it was an incredibly successful ad. But that meant that we profited off of off of a community, right? Because we used them to tell our story. In order to serve that community, we did a partnership with NaviLens, which is an app um, that helps visually impaired and blind people shop. And uh, it's kind of like QR codes, but it reads them the, the product names and the product benefits so that people from that community can make informed choices about what shampoo to use. Like, you know, people who are sighted can do, can look at the backs packs and read and decide. Um, we created, and now we, we create it for all of our Pantone adverts, um, audio description versions of our adverts so that we, we make sure we serve the community who we are representing. We're not just using them in a, in a kind of throwaway way in our advert. We're going, we're, we're, we're including you as a way to tell our story. We need to make sure that you can actually buy our products as well. And that our products and our brand serves you as a community as well. And that's what I think, um, the, the industry needs to needs to have in mind embrace diversity absolutely 100 it is it is the best creative opportunity you have to tell these different stories you will get better work you will get better results but make sure that you do more than just go surface level because the community will call you out for it people will call you out if you do yeah i mean you say serve and it's like in, in my mind the, another way of saying that is like because obviously er <laughs> Everyone needs to remember, and they tend to forget, but like, and, it, and it, a lot of us do remind them at that time of year that Pride was, is a protest. Um, mm. So if you're protesting, you're fighting either for something or against something, I suppose. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's basically saying brands, businesses, et cetera, fight for these communities, uh, mm. uh, fight for slash support them, you know. Um, so, you know, if you're standing up for somebody, you are trying to help them in some way. And, yeah. uh, make their lives better or um absolutely or, or at least not worse um try you know if you get you fight for somebody sometimes you're defending rather than going on the on, on the offense mm. but same kind of thing i suppose i, I wondered like were there, were there any uh interesting brands that you saw this year or things that were done that you thought actually that's that's very clever and you know somebody had really thought about 
uh, you know, uh, supporting uh, the community in, in, interest, in an interesting way? Well, I have to say the best example that um, that I can think of from this year, um, and this is going to sound like a, a gratuitous plug, and I promise that it isn't, but um, the work that we did for Pride in London. So Pride in London um, is a, a charity, not many, not many people, I think, realise this. Pride in London is an organisation, it's a charity organisation who organise um, the Pride March through London. Um, they... Uh, we've been marching through London for Pride um, for 50 years this year. The organisation hasn't existed for 50 years. You know, originally it was just a grand swelling of, of the community coming together and um, an organisation called the Gay Liberation Front, um, which was a group of predominantly gay men who organised the, the first few uh, protests. Um, Pride in London uh, wanted to celebrate 50 years of marching in, in the capital this year. Um, but Pride in London has had a rocky recent history um, with um, not necessarily being the most inclusive organization in the in the recent past. It's interesting people sometimes people assume that because we are um, the LGBTQIA plus community is is oppressed in many ways and, and is and is an underrepresented um, kind of minority community that that we can't have problems of our own within the community. But we we exist in, in an intersectional world. So, you know, we exist. Yes, we face, you know, kind of homophobic um, and transphobic backlash as, as a community from the wider world. But we still exist in a world that has, um, you know, white supremacy baked within it, that has um, patriarchy and misogyny baked within it. This, this, this is the reality of us existing on this planet. Um, and so those those issues do affect our community as well. Um, so they were they were in a bit of a, a kind of tricky spot, and um, but still it was important for us to celebrate how far we come and and what we'd achieved and and mark this fifty year um, this fifty year point to to pull off that work. We worked as um, WPP Unite uh, is our LGBTQA plus ERG within WPP, and then every WPP agency has one. So we've Grey Unite. Um, and we collaborated together to create a campaign that was entirely queer made, queer made by queer people, for queer people, about queer people, with queer people. It was it was 100% queer production. Um, and the creatives working on it, myself um, and Chaz, so so two queer women at Grey, Grey London and, um, and Jamie Hill, a, a Grey non-binary person, um, Grey, sorry, a, a queer non-binary person. Um, within the WPP group, so an entirely, um, entirely queer and feminine non-binary creative team. Um, we had, uh, you know, uh, queer um, uh, director of color who who uh, shot for us. Just an entirely queer production, and for me, that is an excellent example of how not only did we, um, you know, make a piece of work about the community, and not only did we include queer people within the casting of that but we made sure that the opportunities went to queer people at every single level and that we were able to hold each other accountable and and really make sure we were representing all different sides of um the queer perspective within that piece of work so we um you know we we challenged each other all the time to make sure that we were representing you know the intersex experience which is a part of the lgbtqa plus community that isn't talked about a lot um the, the the ace community the disabled members of our community that we we know that the issues facing um 
Black LGBTQIA plus people are different to the issues facing white people. And it's different to the issues facing trans people, you know, and, and when you have the intersectional experience of that, it's there's a lot to consider. And it's difficult. <laughs> it's a lot to think about. But by having a fully, fully queer team making this fully queer piece of work, we were able to truly reflect and celebrate our audience and do it in a way that is appropriate and mindful to the fact that, you know, it is a fight and it is a protest and we have a lot that we still need to fight for um the thing i always say on that is you know it can it can feel a bit disheartening to think that we've been fighting 50 years for basic human rights and we're, and we're still fighting now and that can feel really disheartening but i always say the reason we're still fighting now is because we keep winning every single challenge that has been thrown at us we have always overcome and we've always won and we'll continue to win which is why we continue to fight but i would see that as a really great example of a piece of work from pride month that actually lives and breathes the ethos of pride um and and reflects the community in a brilliant way that i hope the community feel as proud of as i do okay that's great i like, I like the idea of um yeah you're still fighting because you're winning i like that's a really nice mm -hmm. uh, way of looking at it because yeah sometimes i get that where i'm just like what is the point and you just feel really mm -hmm. despondent about stuff but um yeah it's, it's a good way to be i just want to we've only got a few minutes left so i just want to mm -hmm. um uh, sort of swing back to industry stuff, mm -hmm. um, so to speak. Um, but I, I wanted to uh, briefly touch on maybe there isn't time because it's a massive topic. But like um, uh, <laughs> in the past, you, you, not not too long back, you, you've um, written uh, for LBB about uh, client agency relations um, mm -hmm. and a sort of uh, that's an, <laughs> perhaps another age old fight that's been going on for, mm -hmm. for decades. Whenever I used to do uh, get articles about um, you know client agency relations, they would always do well. Like literally in the last ten years, any time, and it seems like uh, it, it remains this kind of like hot topic of you know how can they work best together. You know, in 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 twenty twenty two, what's what's your sort of version of a perfect client agency relationship, and has it changed in recent times? I think that our clients have changed, our clients' roles have changed, and our clients' expectations have changed of agencies. That's something that's been going on for quite a while. We've seen over probably really over the last 10 years, clients expecting more from single agencies rather than, you know, kind of portioning up their um their brand across many different agency touch points. We our, our clients expect us to be able to do more as an agency. Um I think that the the people within our client sides have changed as our world is changing and as we're embracing diversity and difference a lot more. Um, and I think that really the fundamentals of a good client agency relationship are respect, collaboration and trust. You know, respecting the expertise that we bring and the knowledge that we bring um, on both sides, both sides of the coin. You know, we're, 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 we're there for a reason, right? We've all been hired for a reason. Um, whenever I am... Um, uh get kind of imposter syndrome moments my friend steph always says uh you didn't lie to get the job they, they knew who they were getting so we've all, we've all got the job for for a good reason right so respecting each other's roles um and trusting that each other have you know the best interests for for the brand and for the project in mind even when you know as agencies we can sometimes get frustrated at client process trusting that they have what's um the best for the goal in mind and sometimes bringing back to that i think is useful um and then equally i think brands trusting that we as agencies have what's in the best interests for the creative and for the project in mind we're not we're not trying to be wacky or bananas for the sake of it <laughs> um and then collaborations so being open to i think i think often 
the worst types of client relationships end up framed as, you know, we as agencies present work and the client says no. And we bring something fun and they say it'd be less fun. And it feels very one-sided, like we're constantly <laughs> offering these sacrificial lambs to, to clients and they just cut their throats and say, no, give us another one, give us another one, give us another one. The best relationships are ones that with trust and respect as the foundation have collaboration at the heart of them. And so we can build on each other's ideas and we can work too. It's the, it's the kind of, um, rather than just no, it's like a, it's a no, but, or, you know, no, but we could do this, you know, let's build on it together. Um, and I think just really, truly hearing each other. There are, I always say when, um, when I present a piece of work and, uh, uh, internally and, and, you know, we, we, we work to challenge each other at gray all the time, which I think is how we get to the best works. We challenge each other, you know, why did you choose this? Why did you do this? And, um, when I give my rationale behind it, my little phrase that I always say internally, I don't know whether I should say this on the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway, um, is yeah, I don't pull words out my ass. Like I, I think about why I write everything. Like there's a reason behind why, why I write and why I suggest everything that I do. And I think understanding and listening to each other from that perspective you know i i don't i don't push for diverse stories just because i want to stir the pot for no reason i do it because it's the best business case for your brand and it's how you're going to reach a new audience and it's how you're going to connect with audiences that you already have it, there's a good reason for it understanding the reasons why we as agencies make the suggestions that we do before passing judgment on them I think is very important and equally for agencies to understand why brands are or clients are, are pushing back or saying no helps us understand the business problem even more and get the best work through and the best work passed and and kind of achieve all those goals that we all have in mind together we're all we're all working for the same thing we're all on the same team i really wish i could find it but I, a while back i found it was um how to feedback on creative work and it was a sort of the how how to feedback and how not to feedback um mm. you know just going don't like it or make it blue or whatever you know mm. make the logo bigger you know that doesn't really help get to why or why you've done a thing and why the person doesn't like the thing and um it was really really good advice and i really wish i could find it again i might i might be able to dig it out maybe mm -hmm. um I, I suppose we are very much running out of time, but um, I have a final question for you um, around uh, as, uh, you know, one of Adweek's young influentials and one of uh, Creative Equal and Campaign's top 30 future leaders. Um, I feel you're a very good person to answer um, this. Uh, you know, what do you sort of see as the future of the industry at the moment? I, I was going to say this year, but we're running out of this year. So next mm. year for next year, maybe, and, and, f and going forward. I see uh, what, what I hope is a future that is is so radically different that we can't see it we can't predict it you know i feel like 20 30 years ago um the the makeup of the leadership at gray would have been unimaginable that, that we have so many different perspectives um uh, and different to to what the ad industry has been used to seeing in so many of our leadership positions at gray and across the, the board of all different levels within our within our company it would have been unimaginable and and i hope that our industry continues to be unimaginably different um i hope that we see more and more space for different ways of working that we embrace you know the incredible creative potential of of people from all different works walks of life um you know that we that we create space and we create a workplace that is inclusive and accessible and um and works for 
all different types of people. So whether you are a neurodivergent person or whether you are disabled or whether you are neurotypical or, or, or you know, an introvert or an extrovert or, you know, queer or straight or whatever, that, that we create spaces that um, allow you to thrive and do your best work and that we get the best creative out the other side of it. I, I hope we have a, a future where we are more excited by diversity than fearful of it. Um, I think a lot of pushback on diversity comes from a place of nervousness and a, and a place of fear. And that fear comes from, but we've always done it this other way. And so we know the other way kind of works. So why should we change it? I hope that the more we do, we get more and more exciting examples that that we can champion and go, but look at what can happen if we do it differently. Um, and I hope that, you know, the the new generation that we have joining um joining our, our workforce and our industry continue to challenge us, continue to push us because our audiences and our consumers are challenging us and are pushing us. And we know that they expect more from us and it is our job and our responsibility and our privilege to deliver more. Um, so I, I hope that the future is kind of unimaginable, I hope, in a good way. Well, that sounds good. I like the idea of that. Um, I guess we will see. We will see what happens. Yeah. But... Yeah. Well, um, we're, yeah, we're out of time. So I just want to say thank you so much, B, for coming on the Media Cat Magazine podcast. Thanks very much, Mike.